Hey! Hey! You're listening to The Sky's the Limit with Courtney and Teresa. We're retelling stories about growing up in a white society. Thanks for joining us today. You're Courtney. You're Teresa. You ready? I'm ready. Let's get started. On this episode, we're going to learn about Courtney, and she's going to tell us her story of how she came to be. Well... I don't think we have that much time to tell the story, but I'll tell you parts of it, and then we can add more later to other episodes. Sounds good. what do you want to know? Where do I start? All right, well, where were you born? Um, I was born in Alliston, Ontario, which is about 20 minutes outside of Barrie, but I I grew up in Barrie. Um, All three of us, so like my brother, my sister, and me, were all born in the Alliston Hospital, but we grew up in the east end of Barrie. Um, so yeah, we went to Maple Grove and then we went to Eastview. So my family on my mom's side, they came to this area, like Simcoe County, especially like Lyle Angus area, um, in the late fifties, uh, early sixties because my grandpa was posted to base Borden. So he was in the military. So that's how they actually came out here, but they were, both my grandparents were actually born in Saskatchewan. And they're both uh, farm kids. Oh. Yeah. And um, their parents were Polish and Scottish. And actually not too long ago, during this whole COVID quarantine, what day is it? What's happening? Um, I actually found my great grandma's. So my grandpa's mom's. I found her Canadian citizenship papers. Wow. Yeah. From 1967. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it was in mint condition. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it was cool to see that. And so yeah, so my mom's side is Polish and Scottish. Um, and then my dad was born and raised in Jamaica. And then he came over here. I forget how old he was, but he came over here. Um, him and my mom met at like a party. And then about nine or ten months later, my sister was born. Um, <laughs> good party. Um, yeah, and it's always so funny because my sister always thinks that like she was the planned one, but I was like, are you sure? I was like, maybe I was the planned one, and they found me and they stopped. Um, but yeah, so I have obviously two siblings, as I already said. Well, I actually have more siblings, but I grew up with two siblings. Um, I have um, three half siblings through my dad, which is also another story to get into another time. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Barrie, um, majority of the people that I grew up around were white. Um, and so yeah, it was an interesting experience because I mostly grew up with my white family. My dad wasn't really in my life. Um, he was kind of in and out. Um, but then I also grew up with like, of course my dad wasn't in my life because like black fathers aren't in the kids' lives, right? Um, that's what the media likes to portray and a lot of movies like to portray that, um, black fathers are deadbeat fathers and all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah. What? Oh, I had two questions actually. So question time. I know. I'm curious of like, so when your parents met and dated or how, what did your mom's parents so your grandparents think of that like biracial couple um from what i heard like my grandparents 
loved my father. Like, they thought he was a stand-up guy. I don't think, like, they were too impressed that he wasn't in our life as much, but, for instance, I never once heard them say a bad thing about them. Um, and I know sometimes when I was younger, um, I'd be like, what did grandma and grandpa think about uh, dad? And then my mom would be like, oh, like, they liked him, blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? And, like, I, like, for me, it was, like, kind of frustrating because it was like, I don't like them, so, like, why do they like them? And I was just like, but they probably had a better chance at getting to know him than I did because of, like, obviously the age. Um, but, yeah. I don't know. So you, I'm understanding that you kind of were raised by your mom? Oh, yeah. My mom is a single mother. Um, she worked, like, 70 to 80 hours a week at our uh, family business at the grocery store. Um, in the south end of Barrie. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, so a lot of the times growing up, we were with our grandparents, especially, like, our grandma. Um, for instance, like, I was nursed when I was born, like, in the store. So, like, my mom would be, like, working, and then, like, I would just be, like, sleeping in, like, uh, a crib beside her <laughs> so she could nurse me when I needed to eat. Um, but yeah, so we were always at the store a lot or playing different sports or like learning a different instrument. Um, yeah, my mom really hustled for us as kids and tried to give us every opportunity that she didn't have growing up. Uh, almost sometimes like to the far side of it, like where she was like, do this, do this, do this. And we're just like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but then it was almost like she was living through us at one stage. So right. like, for instance, like I was fine playing sports. Um, I also was a girl guide at one point and it was fine. But like at one point I like grew out of it. Like it wasn't cool anymore. Yeah. Um, even though like now I like talk randomly about like my girl guide skills and like all the things that I learned growing up and like camping and all that fun stuff. Um, so it's just funny. But at the time I was just like, no, I'm done. Like, I just want to play sports. <laughs> yeah. I don't do anything else, but... Well, very... It, it was, like, amazing that, like, she could provide that life for us. That is amazing. Um, but then, obviously, to provide that life for us, she worked a lot. And then that obviously costs a lot, because sometimes, like, you just want to be around your mom, like, spend time with her, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if she's, like, first in, last out sometimes... Um, you miss that or then like she would come home but like all three of us were doing many different things so it's just like she either drove like one of us this day or like I like carpooled a lot with like my friends who yeah. I played sports with um so that's always kind of good like having other parents that can step in and like step up and like fill like the or just make sure that you get to A to B because they know your mom's working um, yes yeah. well it seems like I would say like you had a very good and privileged childhood like it like being able to participate in so many sports I feel like that would have been very expensive and oh yeah <laughs> and it wasn't expensive so yeah we definitely lived privileged and we had um a childhood that I know not all my friends had um I know a lot of children don't have the opportunity or access to do what we did especially a lot of us by a lot of us I mean me and my brother, my sister, so the three of us. <laughs> um, we would play at higher competitive levels. So, like, obviously, the higher you go in the sport, the more money it costs yes. or the more traveling you have to do. Right. So I traveled a lot playing soccer. I traveled a lot playing basketball. My sister also 
traveled a lot playing soccer. Um, she didn't play basketball as long, but then she like really got into volleyball. So like with that, and then my brother did soccer and then went to football. Um, but like for me, it's like it's funny. Like when my mom tells me like how I actually started to play soccer. So I played soccer when I was the age of three. My brother was five at the time. We're two years apart. And my mom was coaching his team, and I guess there was a girl on his team named Courtney. But whenever they would call Courtney, I would jump up and I would run on the field. Oh my goodness. And it's kind of funny, the other Courtney was just like, oh, if she wants to play for me, that's okay, because she really didn't want to play soccer. <laughs> so she was um, fine with me playing for her. And then eventually, uh, either one of the parents or like my mom's like coaching partner or like whoever it was made a comment just like just sign her up like just like get her to play like she wants to play so then my mom just coached an extra team uh so I'd be able to play because they couldn't keep me off the field otherwise amazing yeah I so, can't imagine a three-year-old yeah so yeah I played soccer from the age of three and then I went competitive at the age of seven wow um but I went as a call-up player because the parents and other coaches complained about me and my skill level that like how it's not fair that I play at my own age group with my own uh I guess gender like with the girls um but so then the youngest rep team at the time was the U9 boys which is would have been my brother's age so that coach allowed me to come practice with them and use wow. me as a call-up player here and there yeah and then the next year I went to the U8 boys team so boys my age um, and played with the boys team with another girl that I ended up playing soccer with, like, most of my soccer career. Um, but yeah, so that was different because there was no competitive girls age at that time. And then, um, after one, well, yeah, that's, that whole team was hilarious. Um, so I eventually got put into net as a goalie, especially because of Housley, because there's like, it's not fair that she plays out. So then I'd play in net and anytime the ball would come to me, I'd just drop kick it to the other side of the field and sit down and make like my flower crown again <laughs> like I was like kind of that bored so when I went to the boys team they they still saw me as a a goalie like a keeper but I didn't want to be one not at all um but they wouldn't listen to me they was like oh no, no you can go get net you can go net and there was another boy on the team who like really really wanted to be the keeper and I was like, let him be a goalie let him be the keeper like he wants it yes um but they wouldn't listen so then in games, I would purposely let balls in. Oh! <laughs> I would work, like, I, to like, make yourself... Yeah. Like, I'm not a keeper. <laughs> yeah, so, like, for instance, I remember this one uh, goal. The ball was coming straight to me, and I just, like, opened my legs the last second. <laughs> <laughs> and the ball, like, obviously went into the net. And then eventually, I think they got the hint, and they took me out of net. And I was like, I tried to tell you guys I don't want to play net. That's right. Yeah, but I remember this one story my mom told me. Well, I, I actually remember it, it too, but she told me the after story. So we were practicing in a gym because it was like winter time, um, which is a lot of the time in Canada, <laughs> especially where we live now in Barrie. Uh-huh. Um, Very true. But yeah, so we were playing indoor and the men's team were playing after us. And so like my team cleared the courts, like the basketball court, because it's an indoor gymnasium. And I was still in net, but the guys thought like everyone was off the court and he, one of them wound up and like took a shot at full strength and I had put out my hand and the ball just like oh. really loud and I just like kind of stood there but like everyone in the gym just went silent. They're just like, 
oh my god, oh my god. And like the guys were just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. You okay? You okay? You okay? And I just remembered and be like, wow, like everyone's just like staring at me. And it was one of those things that like, I think because it like just shocked me, like it didn't hurt. Like I don't remember wanting to cry or feeling the need to cry. Like I was just like stunned and they're just like, we didn't know you were there. Like, why would you do that? And I was like, well, I was in net. You dropped the ball. Like I put up my hand, like isn't that what I was supposed to do? And then I remember later that night, um, uh, the coach or organizer or whatever you call him for the men's league, um, he called my mom to check in and there was like, yeah, the men were just wondering like how Courtney's doing, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh yeah, Courtney's fine. And then he was like, what? Really? And then he asked my mom, he was like, why didn't she cry? Or stuff like that. And my mom was like, oh, Courtney would never let you, sh uh, Courtney would never show you that you got the best of her. And I remember, and like, but that like makes so much sense now for who I am that I never let people see that they got the best of me. Yes. Um, and if anyone knows what's currently going on with me, like these days is, uh, on the weekend, I just opened up about my struggles and, um, what it feels like when I experiencing, experience my lows and everyone's like, Oh my God, like, are you okay? Like a lot of people reached out, but it's just like, you guys, like, this isn't new. This isn't like, Oh my, this isn't like, I need help. This is, I'm actually showing you what I look like behind closed doors. I'm actually opening so you guys can see me because I grew up a high level functioner. So a lot of people never even realized I was struggling when I was struggling because I put on the face for the world where I could cut myself off from like what was hurting me or like slowly killing me to what I needed to be on the outside. Yeah. And if you read my last blog post, essentially it's me doing therapy therapy. Like, you guys are sitting in on my therapy session. Because um, my friend uh, said this beautiful comment afterwards that uh, two of her psychologists or psychiatrists said to her that, um, well, essentially, therapy is, therapy is when you confront your shit and you want to change, regardless if you're working with someone to do that or you do it by yourself. Like, you're confronting your shit. Okay. And so, essentially... I was doing that by myself through my writing, but then you guys got to see the therapy session of what I was going through, what I was processing. And for me on like Sunday, especially when it was pouring down rain, like as soon as I woke up and I saw it was raining, I was like, thank you. Like, thank you so much because like, that's how I was feeling. And then it was just like, at, for a while it was like hard rain. It was rain. heavy rain. It was heavy rain. And like, that's why I was just like, oh, like, thank you. It was like so cleansing and so whatever. But, like, I was having, like, a thought a second, like, it was like, what about this? 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 And I was like, when this happened? When this happened? When this happened? And so a lot of the things that I realized that I used to gaslight myself. Like, I was gaslighting myself. I would say, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or I would mislabel it. Or I would just downplay it. Or I wouldn't say anything. And I would just keep it to myself. And then every so often the the weight got too much yes so then i would have like a breakdown and sometimes my breakdowns last for four days uh there was one time i had a breakdown and i locked myself away from the world for three days wow. like i didn't eat um i just like slept i didn't have my phone on i barely even like talked to my own like family and i was in my family home at the time must they must have been afraid i don't even know if they thought i was home half the time ah 
Yes. Because there's no sound coming out of my room. So, like, um, or if they did think I was home, they're just like, oh, we haven't seen her, so maybe she is gone. Maybe right, she's not. Cause right. like, Yeah, it was just, but yeah, so it was, some of the reactions were kind of funny. They're all, like, endearing and heartwarming. Yeah. But I was just like, you guys, like, <laughs> like, I'm not, like, suicidal, even though I have been. Or I'm not this. I'm just letting you finally in because you guys have never seen this side of me. I've never let people in this side. And like even like with my closest friends or like my family, um, I only let them in at a certain point. Yeah. They never see it like immediately or like sometimes they see it when it gets built up more and more and more. Right. But they miss the initial like breaking of the back kind of thing. But... Yeah, I don't know where I'm going. With Are you this noticing? <laughs> well, I know. I was thinking <laughs> a great therapy session is where I love what you just said confront your shoulds. And I wonder, like, do you think when your mom said the, the, that those words, like, you'll never get to see the best of her? Or she'll never show she'll, you she'll, that she'll you got the best of her. That yeah. You, she'll, yeah. That you got to me, essentially. You'll never see that you got to to me, essentially, is what we're trying to say. Yes. Words, words, words. Yes. And (laughs) do you think you had to live up to that? Like, like that, because you have to continually not let anyone see that they got the best of you. Like, not show. Because I, I, I got to read your blog this past weekend, you know, seeing. And I just met you. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, and for me when you were writing everything down, I just thought, wow, she's just letting it all out. And I don't know how often you let it all out like that. And the way I think you said it, like this is like the, almost like the first time you've let it all out through the blog, but um, not. do you feel like you have to protect yourself from letting yourself be? Oh, definitely. Um, if I allowed myself to, for instance, no one has ever seen me when I actually get angry. And I'm talking about, like, livid. Like, you know how, like, when people, like, oh, when I snap, like, they see red? Um, so no one's actually seen me explode. And I don't actually explode. I go quiet. So I remember uh, there was an incident that happened when I was living in Australia. And essentially, someone who I thought was my friend was my friend and, like, uh, disrespected my house and, like, my property and, like, uh, stole stuff, essentially. Um, and then I found out, and it was involving me trying to go to work and then me having to take, like, a taxi for over 45 minutes to get to work. And I was just, like, seething and soothing. And then I was, like, to my boss, I was, like, I can't be here. I need to go home. And my friend said that I called her that morning and there was no, um, intonation. There was no emotion there is no nothing in my voice. And she's like, I've never been more scared in my life because I've never heard you like that. And she's like, it was just like, she's like, I wanted you to yell. You right. weren't even yelling. It's like, it was like the extreme of I'm not mad, I'm disappointed, but like in a live it kind of way. Right. So if I allowed myself to get into those emotions, I don't know if well, one, I don't want to because those are heavy, heavy emotions and it's more damaging for me to be in those emotions than mm-hmm. for other people because uh, I'm fighting like a silent battle in my in my head to be that angry. And like when I was, when I did grow up, I was that angry. So I know how it feels to always be angry at the world and like 
angry at everyone, but not even be able to tell people that you're angry. Okay. Because as soon as I get angry or I raise my voice or I tell people, no, I'm a bitch, I'm aggressive, I'm the angrily black girl, black woman. Um, or if I don't show my emotions, I'm cold, I'm standoffish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like literally damned if you do, damned if you don't. And then it's also like people didn't want to hear. No. People don't want to hear anything that makes them uncomfortable. So, like, people don't didn't want to hear that, like, I experienced sexual violence when I was, like, 10 to 13. Because sometimes when I tell that story, I'm then, like, um, helping the other person deal with my story. Right. I'm, like, soothing them. I'm talking them down. I'm comforting them. Yeah. Whereas it's, like, what was the point of me telling the story? Because now it's about you. And that's okay for things not to always be about me, but why do you want me to keep opening myself up when you're just opening me up to so I can feel my wounds more? And like my the same friend was just like, when you go through therapy and like you hit the hard stuff and like you have to confront yourself, it's like once you rip off that band-aid and you whip rip open those wounds to heal them properly. Because let's be real, a lot of our wounds didn't actually heal properly. We just put a band-aid on it. We forgot about it. Right. It's like, oh yeah, it's yes. down that road. But when you actually actively sit and like you you're just like, no, I have to rip out every year that was in there. Because like to get the infection, you have to go as deep as the infection. Yeah. So it's almost like you have to re-hurt yourself, re-dig that up to allow it to actually heal naturally, to call it what it is, to speak it, to acknowledge it, to accept it. Because how can you actually move forward with anything if you don't acknowledge where you presently are, where you've been? Because look at our society right now. We are refusing to acknowledge our history. Mm-hmm. And there's so much conflict. Whereas, like, we're not even on the same page. Where, like, people are just like, we're on chapter 5,000. And someone's like, oh, what? There's a book? <laughs> oh, I didn't get my copy. Right. And you're just like, okay. But, like... So, it's, and it's also one of those things, like, if you're going to open your wounds, you have to keep going. Yes. And so, for me, Sunday was my chance to open the wounds and say what things actually happened to me and say what they were and acknowledging because a lot of the stuff I didn't acknowledge or I brushed it off or I didn't call it what it was. Yes. So, like, I thought I healed, I thought I went into it. But then, also, I never had the skill set to do all that. I never was confronted with a cop murdering a man in broad daylight with his knee on someone's neck, on yeah. his neck. I, and then everything else that has happened, but, like, I've never had to relive all my experiences because I finally got the platform to say... Yeah, I experienced racism. Yeah, I was discriminated against. Yeah, I was oppressed. Yeah, yeah, I was treated badly because of the skin. Yeah, because my black father and my white mother decided to have kids together. So, like, because of George Floyd, it opened Pandora's box. But, like, when you think of Pandora's box, you think of the lid coming off, right? Yeah. No, Pandora's box got burned to the ground. Because all of that happened, and then new trauma was happening where, like, someone attacked me online, and it went too far, and someone who 
said that they were helping me actually hurt me even more and put me more in danger. And like, I lost my voice over it. My peer was late for eight days over it. And that was like at the end of June. So then like you go into July and like other things are happening. I'm part of a nonprofit organization trying to get that organized, trying to get that running, not sleeping, not eating, not doing whatever, even though like mid July was like, you guys make time, take a break, like make time for yourself, blah, 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 blah. And like, and I even said on that blog, like, I don't know if you guys realize this, but like, I write this for me, right. and, like you benefit from it too. But like my messages, my wording, it's also to me, it's also allowing, giving myself permission. And then I thought I was always giving myself permission. Like when people go through a hard time, I'm like, feel what you need to feel, like do what you need to do. Like I'm here, blah, blah, blah. You knew what to say. But, like, I don't allow myself that because I'm like, well, if I break, if I crumble, if I experience too much, what about everyone else in my life that I'm a strong pillar in their life for, that I'm strong support for? Like, and people are like, oh, I admire you. You're this. I look up to you. But, like, that is such a paralyzing responsibility. Right. Because then it comes back to... When is it my turn to share yes. and say, I need a pillar. I need some support. Right. And like, then you can look into mental health for black people in general. Like we deny it or like we're not giving the same access or like our skin color isn't taken into consideration with all our trauma. So it's like, yes, something happened to me. So like, yes, when I was a child, I experienced sexual violence. But yes, when I was a child and I had to go to court for it, I experienced a whole different crime because of the court system and the racism within the court. So then I'm now dealing with experienced sexual violence on top of experienced violence at the hands of the court, at the hands of the government that's supposed to help me, that's supposed to protect me. The systemic racism that definitely exists but, in our judi judiciary system. That and it's one of those things whole... no one talks about, and I didn't know it was a thing until... I experienced it because I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a judge. And then going through that process, I was like, nope, not for me. I'm not that one person. And like, I understand it takes one person, but not for me. Like, I was like, no, like, I'm done. I want no part of this either way. But well, we're still finding a way to hear your voice, whether you're a judge or not. I think people deserve to hear your voice and your stories because these are the stories that people need to know about. Like, really, when you were just telling about your childhood and how, like, you were playing all these wonderful sports, like, it sounded like, like, one of those... Like a Disney movie. like A little bit. Like, really great childhood, but yet you have experienced hardship, oppression, like, and you use the word gaslighting. I find that word coming up more often these days. In fact, like the Dixie Chicks, now known as the Chicks, put put out a song called Gaslight. Like mm -hmm. what What is that word? How would you define that? Um, I think similar to what I said earlier just about something happening and then acting, existing or pretending like it never happened. Like for instance, like you can watch someone get hit by a car. You saw someone get hit by a car. And then everyone else is saying, what are you talking about? That didn't happen. No one got hit by the car. And you're just like, no, it's on the video. It's someone got hit by a car. It was like, hmm. There was no car. Like, 
what are you talking about? You're just like, the car right in front of you. And it's like, are you okay? Like, are you feeling okay today? Like, right. do you know what you're seeing? Like, hey, you guys, like, I think Teresa, like, needs some help. Like, she said that she saw someone get hit by a car, but, like, there's no car. So it's, like, kind of like that where you just, like... Question yourself? You question yourself. You... And then because you question yourself, you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. Right. Maybe they didn't actually mean to call me a nigger. Maybe they didn't actually say this. Maybe they didn't actually call me a porch monkey or tell me to, like, not touch them because I'm dirty. Maybe maybe I didn't hear them correctly. Yeah. But then, like, you sit with that and then so, like, you experience all that and you're just like... Like you said in the last episode, why would I keep telling? Why would I keep talking about it? Because you're just... I'm just leaving myself up to be sh- shot at. Right. So I'm going to build up those walls. I'm going to be the smiling... You knock me down, I get back up smiling. Because I used to do that in sports. I used to get hit down and come back up smiling. I used to like make other people mad, but it's just like... I learned I'd rather laugh through life, even if the joke is on me... Yes. ...than cry through life. Mm-hmm. So there's times where I really need the help in a class, and the teacher's like, oh, like, she doesn't take things seriously, she just laughs all the time. I was like, I am so uncomfortable, and I'm on verge of tears, but I know especially with male teachers when a girl cries they get so awkward and like it's like they create this like bubble and force field around you like you're like does it cannot like step away quietly like if I slowly back up she won't see me you're just like I'm looking at you yeah but let's be real people rather laughter than crying yes so I will laugh through life and cry at home or cry myself to sleep right. or hide behind the doors and cry. But this weekend I was like, you know what? You guys get to watch me cry. And like, it was just, the rain just couldn't have been uh, like better timing. Like it was just like perfect. I was like, thank you. Thank you for the rain. Wonderful. Yes. Well, it- I seemed like it was timed perfectly because your emotions and, like, that rainfall came together. Now, I get to ask you this question because you asked me in the Mm -hmm. second episode, now that we're in the third, what would you say to your younger self? You did what you could. It was not your job to figure out how to function without functioning. Um, You did your best. There's nothing more you could have done. Um, It wasn't your responsibility. Um, Just keep going. Keep finding that joy, that spark, hold on to it, and it does get better. It will get better, but it gets a lot worse before those days come, but they'll come. Those are good words. So true. And I feel like you're enjoying, you have found the joy. Mm-hmm, are Yeah. You- but that's the best part about healing and growing and expanding is that you can find the joy while sitting in the dark. Yes. That just makes it seem like a great spot to end today's episode. Thank you for listening. The sky's the limit. 
with Courtney and Teresa. See you next time.